Hello, neighbor. Welcome to Spinning the Reel, a podcast by Evan and Cody. What even knowing Evan and Cody? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spinning the Reel. This is episode eight, and today is Wednesday, November twenty seventh. Do you have anything special to say to the people today, Cody? Eight is great. Eight is great. I was thinking more like Happy Thanksgiving to oh, all our listeners out there. That works too, but it rhymed and I wanted to go with it. But yeah, let's uh, shout out to all our listeners out there as well. Yes. So, and Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. What are you thankful for, Evan? I'm thankful that in an hour you'll be gone from my house. That is pretty good. Just kidding. I'm thankful for this podcast, for most of our listeners, <laughs> actually all of them. <laughs> How about you, Cody? Yeah, I'm thankful for the little things, man. I think uh, this time of year, everything gets so rushed and everyone just, you know, feels like they don't have enough time and it's just like spending time with obviously you, friends, family, and all that kind of stuff. So appreciate the little things, man. That's all I got to really say. And I'm thankful for some uh, pumpkin pie tomorrow, man. What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Um, you know, all the food all is the special food. in its own way. <laughs> you don't have but, a favorite? You know, like a huge I like debate the mac going and around. cheese. Mac and cheese is pretty good. Right. Uh, I guess it depends. How, it depends who's making it, how good it is, you know? So. Like, I think Thanksgiving is a lot of fun just to see everybody and, like, oh, of course. chow down. I don't know that it's, like, then you hit that food the coma. best meal necessarily all, right. all the time. The turkey's fine. It makes you sleepy. Yep. That's the best part, man, afterwards. And then that's when you enjoy the pumpkin pie, man. Wow. At least when I enjoy the pumpkin. You've mapped it all out. Heck yeah. I'm ready for tomorrow. But all right, let's get in the episode. Let's, now that Yeah, let's talk about some movies that we were thankful for. We saw uh, three movies this weekend. We did. And we're going to talk about two of them. Those being? We saw Frozen 2. That's right. Then we saw uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, starring Tom Hanks. Correct. And lastly, we saw an early release of Knives Out. So Knives that's Out. But we're not going to talk about that one at yeah, all. Yeah, we're going to give Next everybody week. a chance to see Knives Out. It yeah. comes out uh, I see your poster up here that you even put it up, man. I do. I got the poster up in our uh, little recording nook here. And like I said, it, it comes out in wide release um, today, actually, I want to say, as we record this. So... Check that out, and we'll be talking about it next week. If you want to hear our opinions about it, I'm sure they will be just as good as any of our other opinions. Agreed. Great. So look out for that, and with that, we're going to dig in first with A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Please, won't you be my neighbor? All right, Cody. So we're going to start neighbor. with the second movie that we watched this weekend, and that is Marielle Heller's A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Do you want to tell the people what this movie is? All right. I'm going to keep it quick, short, and sweet. All right? Good, good. You like it. So it is based on a true story, A uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and it pretty much is a story of a skeptical journalist named Lloyd whose life has changed through these interviews and friendship with Mr. Rogers. Um, he's basically given this uh, interview by his uh, bosses, at bosses Esquire. and all that, and he's kind of going through his own troubles at the time. Uh, he has problems with his dad, and ultimately he doesn't want to be that same father figure that his dad was to his son. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of slipping out of these kind of things. And, you know, during the interview process, it's, it's interesting because it's like it's kind of like a back and forth interview and in my opinion on the way it was kind of portrayed 
almost um, like a conversation if a you will. conversation <laughs> if you like this but yeah and you know he learns like a lot and he you know he actually really listens to mr rogers words and you know yeah it's kind of that's kinda where it goes that's the movie yeah so we're gonna talk about this movie with some spoilers we'll just throw it out from the top it's um not really a movie you can spoil too much anyway I think it's just sort of a good time, but you mentioned it's based on a true story, so it mm-hmm. is based on an article in Esquire magazine that ran back in was it the nineties? Yeah, nine. Yeah, and then the, the article 80s. itself was in like nineteen ninety eight. I think it was ninety eight. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. It was published in nineteen ninety eight. So right towards the the tail end of Mister Rogers' life, and it was written by a journalist named uh, Tom Junode, I think is how you say his name and so it's not exactly a true story it's based on this article he wrote but his character in the movie lloyd vogel who's played by matthew rice is sort of a fictionalized version of the actual journalist they added some details like the whole fatherly thing that was portrayed in the film like his brokenness right was not like real right So. so he he's been on the record the actual journalist of saying that you know his interactions with mr rogers did change the trajectory of his life Mm -hmm. but the movie is just is semi-fictionalized it's uh it's kind of half true as it has to be yeah exactly so why don't we start out with what you generally thought about the movie i loved it man you loved general impressions is i loved it um like i said ultimately it's just like tom hanks is great (laughs) first Mm -hmm. off i think too in today's society uh i think everyone's kind of aware of fred rogers yeah um in one way or another i think everyone's kind of aware of the red sweater and the whole theme song and stuff and uh, you've been exposed to him really ultimately i think uh growing up or as you continue Mm -hmm. these kids continue to grow up and he's just uh you know i don't want to say charismatic but he's very like kind heartwarming and you know you just kind of the word i would come to is genuine yeah Yeah. and and you see that in the movie as well Mm -hmm. it's just like wow, is this guy for real? Like Lloyd questions it like halfway through the movie. Like, man, is this guy really for real as he is on screen and off screen when he's doing that whole, you know, interview and conversation and just overall, like just, it's just a great movie. (laughs) Yeah. So you mentioned that Fred Rogers is sort of ubiquitous at this point. There are millions and millions of Americans who grew up. I'm one of them. I grew up watching Mr. Rogers TV show and some Mm -hmm. of the reruns when I was a kid. Uh, They're, again are millions of people who grew up his show was on the air from the late 60s until 2001 so there are just multiple generations of children who grew up watching mr rogers every morning so he's one of those figures that people are intimately familiar with but maybe haven't heard all the stories around him yeah uh what was your relationship with mr rogers growing up did you ever watch a show did you i can't recall watching the shows necessarily mm-hmm. but with media nowadays and stuff and like youtube i know like i've sat down at times and you know an hour goes by or whatever and you kind of watch all those like you know famous you know moments in his life that were really portrayed mm-hmm. and stuff like with the puppets the ma- like i know the mailman and all that like i don't know him by name and stuff mr but, like, mcfeely you're just mr mcfeely but i'm aware of all that um but watching his episodes or anything like that i haven't watched i think i've seen I don't know what award he was getting. He was getting some type of award, and I remember listening to that speech stuff, and too. Mm-hmm. And he's just, yeah, genuine is a very good word to describe yeah. who Mr. Rogers was. Yeah, I think a good background on him is there was a documentary last year called uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Yeah. And it was it was an okay document. Like, as far as documentaries go, it wasn't groundbreaking or anything, but it was, it did its job, and it, it 
painted a portrait of Mr. Rogers, and it's very glowing in a way that I think A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is sort of glowing towards Mr. Rogers, but it, it does sort of try to paint a more complete picture, I think, of him. Not to say that there's, like, a dark side to Mr. Rogers. Yeah, there. I mean, there really isn't a dark side to Mr. Rogers, and the same thing with the film. It's like, he's just... He talks about basically taking negatives, all these angry feelings, and finding a way to turn them into positive. And mm-hmm. I, I just don't think you get that as much, especially back then. Like putting that in a children's show too, like that's kind of crazy to think about, and how yeah. successful it was too, on uh, how that came to be. Yeah, I mean, we could talk forever about <laughs> Mister Rogers and sort of the impact he had on media and all that. But going back to the movie itself, you said you really loved it. Um, explain like what about it that you really felt differentiated it from some of the other things that you've seen this year like what made you really fall in love with this movie i think the biggest thing for me that made me fall in love with this movie was tom hanks was the biggest appeal Mm -hmm. and i think tom hanks is that same type of person for me as uh mr rogers and i liked seeing him portray that Mm -hmm. um that i mean that really was the biggest appeal is you're We've talked about it like he looks nothing like Fred Rogers at all. Yeah. But at times it's like you're kind of just watching the movie and it's like, is this guy really acting? Like you just you just it, feel it like that's like him. He own, has yeah. that, you know, vibrato around him and stuff. And it's it's I like it. And I mean, that really set it apart um, with Lloyd, too. It's, you know, um, kind of spoiling, I guess. Can you ever forgive me? Made me watch that because. of right. uh, What's the, the director? Mariel name? Heller. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I'm glad I watched that too. Going in, now, going back and re-evaluating uh, this movie mm-hmm. is because it's like she kind of takes people who are broken. Um, I know you saw an additional movie by her too, but for yeah. can you ever forgive we'll, me? We'll talk about that in a second. Um, yeah. Lee is basically this you know person who's broken, turns to alcoholism, and basically lying in deceit to get through in life. And with this one, it's it's a different spin. It's like, hey, Lloyd's Lloyd's broken too, mm-hmm. but it really like Mister Rogers is still that vocal point, that focus point for him to kind of get through like this yeah. bad times. And you know, because he's so genuine, because he's so good and pure and stuff, Lloyd kind of turns his life around in a more positive way than those you know other films mm-hmm. um, by this director, which is obviously an interesting take. But yeah, overall, I think it's just that really good, you know, pull on the string emotion that I just felt. Yeah. Um, there are a couple scenes that we can also get into. Let, that let's really talk about stuff. those scenes. Okay. I think I think there's an interesting thing. So in prepping for this episode, we singled out some scenes that we thought were especially good. Uh, I think you have yours written down here, Cody. I didn't actually write any down. But yeah. I want to talk about yours first. Sure. Because uh, w- let's talk about – let's just dig into them, right? So okay. first one that you have written down here is there's, there's a scene in this movie where uh, Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers is – filming an episode and he's trying to set up a tent yes right and he's struggling to pitch this tent by himself and the studio people are like oh well we can just set it up for you so you can get right into what you want to do and and tom hanks comes over and is just like no no i think this is good and essentially the idea behind it is that kids need to see that it's okay to fail sometimes yeah and that even adults fail sometimes yeah and so like what what made that scene stand out for it's, you it's the bigger message thing and it kind of like with other topics that he talks about that are also brought up in the movie um i believe he quickly like mentions divorce and stuff mm-hmm. and i know he mentions death at the very end especially yep. and it, they're all situations where it's like especially for kids it's like how do you bring that up and like 
teach kids about basically hard-hitting topics that even us as adults honestly feel uncomfortable have a hard with. time talking yeah about, it's yeah. super uncomfortable and like i said um it's just it's funny to like hey it's okay to fail because it's true it's like you know right. you don't learn anything and succeeding all the time you learn the most when you fail in life and you know i think he's showing them like hey it's fine it's mm-hmm. it's not an issue and like i said it's just a message that i think is it needs to be you right know, told and yeah. so i just it just stood out to me for those no i think reasons. that was a good sort of encapsulation of what that show was really mm-hmm. it was telling kids what you know no one really would talk to them about in in a way that was understandable and i think that's part of what made mr rogers neighborhood so powerful the show itself uh some of your other scenes so there's a scene where uh mr rogers is talking about communicating with um lloyd communicating with his wife and there's a scene where they're sitting down and uh, about to eat and they just take a minute and think about someone who made them into who they are yeah that was crazy especially in the theaters like I mean, he did that, and that entire theater was mm-hmm. absolutely, like, pen drop quiet. I think it really, like, during the time, and everyone was, just, like, everyone was just, they were dived in, and they were dialed in, ready to, like, just hear what Mr. Rogers had to say. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that whole theater was quiet, you know. I, I teared up during that scene. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's a very emotional <laughs> movie. It is, yeah. And so one reason I wanted to go through all of your uh, your scenes first mm-hmm. was because there was sort of a theme to them that I noticed, and they weren't the scenes that I would have singled out as okay. ones that really stood out to me. I mean, they're, yeah. uh, all, they're all good scenes, of course, but mm-hmm. when I looked at them, I, I kind of took a double take sort of and, and thought, these scenes are just mr rogers being mr rogers in a sense right it's just like a depiction of what mr rogers was all about so it's you know him talking about failure on his show it's him taking a moment to recognize other people and those are things that i think if you grew up with mr rogers and you watched him you would have seen things like that so part of me wonders if that's just an element of maybe not being super familiar with mr rogers growing up Um, that like seeing it on screen continuously for the first time really like if that's oh wow this is just like a really yeah and it kind of was for me i mean like i said i hadn't really seen any episodes Mm -hmm. at all everything was still through like youtube or whatever and like that and because it was shot like an episode you're right those were scenes that stood out and and, you know just there are moments to be like yeah this guy but i think it also speaks to uh tom hanks performance in Mm -hmm. the movie as well and you've brought it up a few times but i think this is really the best example of it that he can basically just be doing a Mr. Rogers thing, like whatever Mr. Rogers would be doing. And it's so heartfelt and believable because, again, we, we mentioned it, he's not exactly a dead ringer for Mr. Rogers. He's a lot bigger. He's um, just, he doesn't look exactly like Mr. Rogers, but he captures that essence of genuine kindness and that genuine caring that Mr. Rogers had. And I think that's part of the yeah. reason why those scenes felt so impactful, especially for someone that wasn't raised on Mr. Rogers mm. as well. Does that sound about right? Or Yeah, no, yeah. that sounds about right from like what I took out of those scenes. Well, obviously, since I hadn't mm-hmm. seen Mr. Rogers in those scenes I picked, what are some scenes that stood out to you? Yeah, so there's a few uh, that really kind of did me in. One of them specifically was... The scene after one of the scenes you're talking about where he was like, you needed to go talk to your wife, basically. Like, that scene of 
Lloyd apologizing or trying to apologize to his wife, trying to come to terms with what he's done wrong, but at the same time, like, it's just a really powerful scene. He's trying so hard to apologize, but he's got this well of emotions of, like you mentioned, not wanting to be his father. Yeah, and it's funny to talk about that. I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. But it's like, it's his like simple answer basically was like communication. And Mm -hmm. for me personally, like communication is one of my biggest pet peeves. If you don't communicate, like it's just frustrating. And it's like, it was really that simple for him to kind of just talk to his wife and get through it. I mean, mean, she, she, he, she is his wife. And it's like, that's what she's there for. Not that, that what she's there for, but it's Mm -hmm. like, she's made that same commitment. Like she loves you. Like just talk it out. Right. Communicate. Right. And that's coming after another pretty emotional sequence Mm -hmm. at the hospital and he, he takes off. But I think some of the other things, one of the really, I want to say like the scenes I was really impressed with were revolving around Mr. Rogers, but off screen and about the burden. They specifically call it the burden that he carries to, you know, be Mr. Rogers all the time and to support these children that he is he is making his show for. And I, I think Lloyd asks him directly at some point, like it must be hard to carry that burden. And Mr. Rogers just you you can you can see Tom Hanks sort of internalize that and and then flip it back and be like everybody's got to carry their burden and and it doesn't seem like a lot in the moment but in another great scene which is the closing sequence of the movie which we both singled out um the movie essentially ends with um fred rogers playing the piano and then hammering all the lowest keys on the keyboard and it all sort of comes together into what you're talking about with the director and about her eye for sort of insecure people yeah because you i mean little context from earlier is Mm -hmm. he's like how do you cope with your anger and your you know frustration or anything like that and he's like there's a lot of things you can do and he specifically mentions playing all the lowest keys on Mm -hmm. the keyboard and at the very end after the episode's over and all that he sits down behind the piano and he's playing and then all of a sudden yeah he just he just stops for a stops for a second and boom yeah so it is very, very powerful. And it comes just, full it's circle. It's just perfect encapsulation of of this understanding of who Fred Rogers is because, yeah, to the world he might look like a saint, but – and that was another good scene talking to uh, – Lloyd talking to um, Mr. Rogers' wife and her saying, like, I don't like that word saint because he works really hard to be this person. Like, of course he gets angry. And I, I think that's one of the things that – you come to understand from this movie and from Won't You Be My Neighbor, the documentary, that Mr. Rogers was an insecure person. Like, he wasn't altogether comfortable in his own skin. He didn't always feel like he deserved to be in the position that he was, and I think he took that very seriously. And I think Mariel Heller takes it very seriously when she's looking into it, and I kind of want to, if we can take a second and talk about some of her filmography... Yeah, I I think it's important to contextualize what this movie is all about. So, and I think it's powerful too with her specifically with why she's doing this. Mm-hmm. Like for you, me, for pretty much anybody, it's like I think all of us have insecurities. Uh, no matter how much we say, oh, I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me what people say. It doesn't, you know, yeah. I don't care what I'm doing or what other people think of me. Like we all face those insecurities in life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she definitely with all her filmography, you know, 
does some really good twists and turns and some laughs and some you know heartfelt stuff. I yeah. haven't seen all her films. I know you have. I think the three big ones. Well, she's only we kind of made three. Oh, yeah. she's only made the she's three. Only, this is her uh, third movie. Well, yeah, I've seen two of them. Yeah, so I, but, I yeah, let's discuss it. Just saw Diary of a Teenage Girl a couple days ago, and yeah. so now I've seen all three of her movies in the last. Um, probably seven or eight months I've seen them all in that span I've seen Can You Ever Forgive Me three or four times mm. I really like that movie very yeah. good movie Melissa McCarthy's really good in it and so is uh, yeah what's his name uh, Richard E. Grant oh my god he's so funny yeah he is <laughs> um, yeah let's go into the insecurity talk and but all that it's something that I wanted to watch because Can Can You Ever Forgive Me and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood man she has just a knack for very long titles to her movies <laughs> but I, I love both of those movies and so I thought you know what I need to check out diary of a teenage girl i've seen a lot of good things and essentially what this movie is about is a 15 year old girl living in san francisco in the 70s who starts sleeping with her mom's 34 her 35 year old boyfriend whoa baby yeah and so like just from that plot synopsis you can kind of see how easy it would be to paint this character her name's minnie as a victim for sure and and i think in some ways she is, but she's never portrayed that way necessarily in the movie. Um, and it, it would be easy to sort of portray her as like promiscuous and not, not that promiscuous is necessarily a bad thing, but like in a bad light because she's going around she's sleeping with her mom's boyfriend. She's sleeping with a bunch of people in this movie. But it's it's one of those things where it, watching that movie, it sort of pulled together the whole thread of Mariel Heller's uh, filmography for me because at its core that movie is about a teenage girl who's insecure about herself she's going off the whole time about how she's ugly or she's fat or she's not smart enough and in the way that she deals with that is through basically sexual rebellion right she goes out and she tries to find comfort through other people and and the movie as much as it's about sort of like a sexual awakening and sort of about coming to terms with what that means, yeah. it's really about coming to terms with yourself and feeling comfortable in your own skin so that way you don't need to do that sort of thing to feel comfortable yourself. Yeah. And when I, when I watched that, I sort of look back on Can You Ever Forgive Me? And you can see that Melissa McCarthy's Lee Israel uh, is insecure about herself too she's got yeah you kind of hit all the same it hits all the same things that you just mentioned like does, the whole insecurity yeah. she's drinking at the beginning of the movie she doesn't but, think her work's good enough but it's just no not just it. about the toxicity of like the way she's coping with it mm -hmm. that's a big part of it yeah. but it's about how she doesn't feel comfortable in her own voice right that's the whole purpose of that movie is she can't write anything herself until she's gone through this whole experience of yeah. trying to imitate other people's voices you know what I mean? Which she does so well, of course. <laughs> exactly. And it takes that for her to find her own voice and find comfort in herself. And it's just about sort of coping with that insecurity and finding a way to the other side. And with this movie, with A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, I think one of the really interesting things is you have someone in Fred Rogers, and, and of course Lloyd is uh, insecure too. He's worried about becoming his father, about being a bad parent. But I think more importantly, it's a portrait of Fred Rogers and how he has this great weight on him and he doesn't feel up to the task all the time. He still gets angry and still gets sad. 
and how he's dealing with it in a positive way. He's trying, instead of tearing other people down or trying to distract himself, what he's doing is he's trying to lift other people up so he can feel better about how he's helping the world, right? And I think it's an interesting turn for Mariel Heller because that's not the kind of person that she has profiled in her movies previously. But I think it works really well here because Fred Rogers' story is sort of unresolved in her mind, right? So this is maybe the first of her characters that hasn't come to that resolution by the end of the film. And, and it's evidenced by playing the, the low keys on the piano, right? He's still, after everything that he's done for Lloyd, after everything he's done for all these kids, and this whole life that he's lived in service of other people, he's still not comfortable with himself. And I think it's just a really interesting through line. And, and I think it that unresolved nature is what leaves you a lot to tangle with, with this movie. And, and that's part of the reason I really, really enjoyed it. Weighing in on the piano scene, because you kind of really dug in there, I didn't, I didn't see it that way as much. Until you described it like that, I kind of just saw it How as... How did you see it? Well, like the same thing I just we've already been describing it's like yeah he has those insecurities and it's like here's a positive way to deal with it and that's kind of all I like read into it that scene was like that's it but it is interesting to think that wait he hasn't like he's he's done so much to help other people um that he hasn't really you're right resolved his own insecurities right. and that is very interesting to uh take that like spin on it um yeah I don't aspect. honestly I don't think there's any other way to look at that last scene because I'm not saying there's another way it. to look at it. No, no. It's just yeah. I, I didn't until you like said it out loud and like I'm hearing it. I'm like, oh yeah, you're yeah. Yeah, and and so I think it's interesting because I don't know how many biopics you've really seen lately. So um, obviously, like last year, there we had um, Bohemian Rhapsody, which was I haven't seen too many bios at all. Yeah, and and they've been kind of popular lately. Like we got Rocket Man this year, which also sort of tried to upend the format a little bit to a less successful degree than uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood did. But we get a lot of these, and it's sort of just here's the life of this person that you know and love, right? And I think that formula is kind of tired, and there's a low ceiling for something like that, right? There's, there's only so much you can do. And I think it was a really smart choice by both the director, Mariel Heller, and the writers, whose names I don't have right in front of me. But they chose to make Fred Rogers the supporting character. And I think when we were looking at this movie and, and talking about like potential awards nominations coming up, like mm-hmm. why is Tom Hanks running in supporting in a movie about Mr. Rogers in which he plays Mr. Rogers, right? But I think after watching the movie, he's definitely the supporting yeah. character he's, in this yeah, movie. He's just like the coping mechanism in a sense for like yeah. Roy. Like, he's there mm-hmm. to be like, hey, like, we're going to get you through this. Yeah. Even though it's his interview. So it is very interesting on that, you know, twist and spin. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, you'd mentioned it. So so essentially this movie is set up like an elongated episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. So it starts with Tom Hanks coming in through the door and singing the Won't You Be My Neighbor song and putting on his sweater, right? And it goes through this whole story of – a broken person and how he healed himself essentially through his interactions with Mr. Rogers. And then the episode ends and Tom Hanks, he gets up and walks out the door, but instead of ending it right there, of course we get the piano scene at the end. 
But I think that doing it like that allowed the movie to capture what was so special about so it wasn't just tom hanks capturing what was special about mr rogers it was the movie as a whole capturing the energy of what made that show so immensely popular for essentially 40 years almost and so i i just think the movie was brilliant and that the direction i don't think mariel heller is going to get a directing nod i think it's possible but Greta Gerwig is probably going to get one for Little Women, and the Academy is not super jazzed about um, awarding multiple females for whatever reason, um, mostly that there's a lot of men in the Academy. Um, but I think it's well-deserved if she does, and to be in consideration for that would be uh, a minimum for this movie because I, I just think it is brilliantly put together. Yeah. I mean, I guess that can bring us into uh, star rating if you want yeah to say so because i've seen two of them and for that conversation just to put it in perspective um so what was your star rating on this one real quick yeah you know i'm still sort of hammering that out it's it's four and a half but it's like teetering on that edge of a five-star movie okay it's like high four and a half low five if you will i also gave that one a four and a half Mm -hmm. and then which again even like because we'll shout out the movie you you definitely should go see it I think it's a very heartwarming film. Yeah, it's absolutely. worthy. I mean, Tom Hanks is phenomenal. Yeah, I think um, he's a lock for a supporting yeah. uh, nomination. And just for like those two reasons alone, it's just like you're going to enjoy yourself seeing that movie. And mm-hmm. Maybe be ready with a tissue. <laughs> like I said, I cried during like one of the scenes. I teared yeah. up. Um, but then the other one, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Like I said, you made me watch that. Great and movie. I gave that one a four star. So like yeah. she's definitely, I'd only imagine too with the other one that you described. Yeah. Can you um, ever forgive me? I think I had four and a half last year. It was in my top 10. No, yeah. it was just outside my top. I can't remember, but it was so, very good. It's a very good movie. So I like, I wouldn't be disappointed at all. Like if she got nominated because it's like, she, she deserves should, she got it. snubbed <laughs> last year. So, so I think this is, this is the time for uh, Marielle Heller, hopefully. Um, yeah, and so check out uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me? That's playing on, I think HBO has it. If, HBO If you have it. HBO. Uh, and check out A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is uh, playing in wide release all over the country. And you wrote a review on that, right? I did, yeah. I have a review of uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood on the website, which is actually now rebranded to uh, hey. sync with the podcast. So so the new website for anyone looking for it is Spinning the Real dot weebly w-e-e-b-l-y dot com uh it's something that if i keep writing consistently i've been trying to do at least a review a week and i've been sticking with it for a little bit but if i keep it up i'll actually get a real domain name for it but in the meantime go check out uh the review of a beautiful day in the neighborhood It, it sort of digs into what we talked about with tom hanks with mariel heller's direction and it sort of dives into a little bit of a retrospective on Marielle Heller's young career so far, which uh, was a lot of fun to write, and I hope you guys yeah. check it out. We'll put the link in the description when we upload the video. So absolutely, click on it. All right, guys. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Check it out.
Alright, Cody, we're gonna play a game, and for the first time in podcast history, we are going back to a game we've played before. Oh, I like games. So tell tell the people what we're doing. We are going back to the STR. What was the name of our game again? Movie Star Draft. That's right, STR Movie Star Draft. Now last bum, bum, time we did... Tom Hanks right. edition. Last time was Will Smith. This time. This time, Tom Hanks, because Tom Hanks has a lot of good movies. And does I enjoy he most of them. He does. I, no, he, he does. does have a lot of good movies. <laughs> That's why we're doing this game, Evan. All right, so we're only using the uh, the movies that he directed, right? I'm pulling up Tom no? Hanks. No, okay. I'm pulling up Tom Hanks. Anything in this arsenal on Letterbox is at my disposal to use. Wow. I haven't even looked at all his films, to be honest. I know quite a few in my head, but... Okay. All of them, right? Animated? I'm yeah, sure. Well, well, everything's uh, fair game, we'll okay. say. That's good, because I'm going to need them all. Okay, so I started last time. You started last time, so it's only fair that I start again. If you want to start, no, again, I'm just kidding. You, you get to start. I don't, nope, nope, I don't nope. care. You get to start, buddy. Okay, when so you're ready, I I have to. I, I feel like I have to. It's Forrest Gump. I mean, it's classic, right? Yes. Um, I I think it's maybe Tom Hanks' most famous movie. I know I loved it in college. I, I'm a little less enthused about it now, but <laughs> I, I think a lot of people hold that movie in high regard. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get until you get it. In which case, I'm going to go with another iconic movie I think that's pretty well known. I'm going to take Saving Private Ryan. Wow, okay. i got to take that That's one. pretty good. It, no, i got to take it. You I like to. that movie. It you was a good to. movie. I no, think that's, it's one of his other that's iconic a big movies one. during... That same kind of generation and time frame as Forrest you know Gump. he's got one more in that in that range that I think is uh, is pretty well regarded and that is Castaway another uh, Robert Zemeckis Wilson. movie exactly so I love that movie yep I'm hoping that 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 one two punch of Forrest Gump and <laughs> Castaway can that, really that just carries you over to the votes. top it <laughs> just lets you win just like that that's right Castaway is a very good movie. Um, one of my personal favorite, which we actually talked about in previous weeks, I didn't even know it was written by, uh, or screened. Who did we talk about? I'm picking the Green Mile. The Green Mile. Yeah. Remember it was uh Stephen King. That's right. Stephen that's, King. That's that is what we crazy. Had. Green Mile, I think was a very, very good movie. And, uh, I'm going with that one okay. as my next pick. That's not a bad pick. So I'm going to go ahead and hop in here and take, uh, the first animated movie that anyone's taking here and that's going to be toy story okay. a classic the beautiful I, wonderful toy story that's a good movie just just regular toy, toy story though what just the first one i'm taking the first one yeah okay hey gotta where it all started that's a good one i'm, I'm looking here a little bit there's a couple <laughs> movies that i really liked but do i want to make it my third movie choice thinking you're gonna pick it next I think Save some good ones for the end too. You need to make a make need, a choice here. I need to make a choice here. All right, I'm gonna. I'll stick on the animated train. Okay. And it's not gonna be what you think. I don't it's know. pretty easy. I don't to, know what I'm thinking. He he pretty much voiced over everyone in this movie, and I loved it. I'm gonna pick the Polar Express. Oh my god! I love what that a movie. disaster. No no no. no I, was <laughs> I love the Polar Express. It's uh, like okay, it's just a good movie. That's you know, I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the movie that I think you think I was going to take, and that's Toy Story 2. Toy Story 2. Which Ooh. I think Toy Story 2 is a better movie than Toy Story 1, but I think people like Toy Story 1 a little more or hold it a little more fondly. But having both, 
can't go wrong. I you really can't go wrong. And I'm just gonna k- keep with the obscurities of Tom Hanks. I'm okay. gonna go away from uh, animated at this point, and I'm gonna pick a movie. I don't know if it's really well known. It's called. No, it is well known, especially for my parents' generation. It's called Big. Big is a great movie. Big is a very good movie. Love Big. <laughs> so I'm gonna take a Big snatch in my fourth slot. Trying to finish strong here. All right. Well, what do you what do you got? What my, do you got to my finish? last movie, and I'm gonna go with another Penny Marshall movie since you just picked Big. Uh, another one I think is a, is a classic amongst um, a generation before ours, perhaps, and that is A League of Their Own. Uh, oh, I man. love A League of Their Own. A that great, a great movie. movie. That is a good movie. I honestly, I, until you said it, I forgot Tom Hanks was in it, but he is the coach. And yeah, he is. So I get one more. One more pick. One more pick. Something big. Something to finish it off. Are we allowed to pick? Mm-hmm. Pick what you what want. What just came out, even? Sure. As soon as that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to go. I need it in my arsenal because this is a binge watching. We got to finish strong. And if we're going to finish strong, we're going to finish where it all finished. It's talking about animated. I'm going to take Toy Story 4. I love Toy Story 4. I think it's the best Toy Story. And <laughs> and you didn't even take I, it. I didn't, but only because I think I'm in the minority in that opinion. I think uh-huh. most people regard it as one of the lesser Toy Story movies. And I don't think it's been seen as uh, by as many people as all those other Toy Stories that are now on uh, Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So that was my calculation there, at least. But I see. There, I, I mean, great movie. Yeah. There's other movies in here. Just We'll just shout out Tom Hanks at this point. I didn't pick. Maybe you guys were screaming at us, but I mean, you know, Tom Hanks looking at the, like Sully was one. Sure. Captain Phillips. It's funny how he plays. Like he's so good at these roles. And I think those movies just re- like looking over him. It's, it, he it doesn't really like the villain a whole lot. No, but it draws you like this movie specifically, uh, beautiful day in the neighborhood draws you in knowing he's played those, you know, true story kind of like roles mm-hmm. before. Um, that was another big appeal that Tom Hanks was, you know, going to take his spin of an actor on um, Mr. Rogers. Yep. And that, you know, going back to it all, it's like that really just drew me in. But He's got some good ones. I mean, uh, we can talk about his directorial debut as well that he starred in That Thing You Do. Mm. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I have not. It's pretty actually. good. It's, a, it's about a uh, band that has like a one-hit wonder. I think they're, the band's name, if I remember right, is The Oneaters. <laughs> and... It's actually it's it's okay. I mean, it's like it's not the best movie or anything, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Um. Let's see what else on here that is pretty special. Um. I think some big ones too. Again, going back to that generation gap. Uh, You've got mail was pretty popular. I think during his time, not as popular as the other ones that we mentioned, such as uh, Green Mile, Forrest yeah. Gump. Um. But Sleepless in Seattle. I mean, that's been seen. I've seen it. Oh, he's so. in the Pacific. I know that's not a movie, but and I, I, can, I never. I could binge watch all of these, man, and probably enjoy myself very thoroughly. Yeah, he's he's so. a good actor, and uh, it seems like he's a pretty good guy generally. Yeah, so that's cool. Uh, and maybe if uh, if he gets the right bounces here, or the the right votes, he might get his third uh, Academy Award. Do you know what two movies he uh, he won the Academy Award for before? I want to. Oh, one. Yeah, he won. He won mm. two. He won back to back years. I think he he didn't win Saving Private Ryan, did he? No, nope. he got nominated, but I don't think he won. Yep, that, he might have. I, that one, uh, I'm not sure about. Forrest Gump was it one? Forrest Gump was one. Yeah, and then was it Castaway? 
was Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this will be his... That's uh, sad. Neither of us picked it. <laughs> next, yeah, well, just because it's a great performance doesn't mean it's a beloved movie. True. Yeah, you know? it's not an iconic movie necessarily. All right, so compared. let's give a rundown of our list. Uh, you want to go first? I already forgot my five going through this. Okay, I will uh, I will give my list while you, right, you figure yours out. Okay, so I had Forrest Gump, Castaway, Toy Stories 1 and 2, and A League of Their Own. All right. Those were good, but it's my turn now. Saving Private Ryan, The Green Mile, Polar Express, Big, and Toy Story 4. All right, not bad. So we're going to post those uh, lists to social media, and hopefully everyone will vote for me and uh, let me get my second victory of our game (laughs) segment. (laughs) Let's just let's just hope everyone votes, you know. Yeah, exactly. That's what we really want. Yeah. We're looking for a good Participate, party contest. Here. Comment that we didn't pick the movie we should have, and whatever that movie is, maybe exactly. we mentioned it let as us, we were talking about it. Let us know it. what your favorite. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're like, why didn't you pick that one first? Like, we want to hear about it. Where did we mess up? We messed up a lot of places to get us to this point in our lives, Cody. That's but true. Specifically, we want to know where we messed up in the Tom Hanks draft. That's very true. Just making that clear. <laughs> and with that, let's uh, let's talk about the other movie that we saw. What would I do without you? You'll always have me. Has Elsa seemed weird to you? She seems like Elsa. There's this voice. Voice? What does that mean? All right, Cody, so there's another movie that we watched. The first movie we watched this weekend um, on the Thursday preview. Um, it's a movie that kind of harkens back to our conversation from last week. Oh, no. And it no. may Here re-instigate we go. some Here we go. fights. We saw Frozen 2 Disney on Thursday. Frozen Thursday. 2. Uh, first thing, before we even get into what this movie is about, can you explain to me, Olaf, can you explain the appeal of Olaf to no, me? No, no, no. We got to explain the movie no, first. No, I, I need no, to know. I can't, no. even, I can't even discuss this movie until I understand so, why people like Olaf. Okay, so you hate Olaf first I, He's very annoying. I think it really isn't necessarily Olaf. I okay. think it's the Josh Gad. I don't necessarily I love, hate Josh Gad. But, like, but I love Josh Gad. I loved him in Beauty and the Beast. As, he's, he's pretty good in Beauty as, and the Beast. So I already had that. Obviously, Pining had Frozen after one. Gaston. Yeah, he had role. Frozen already, and then Beauty and the Beast, and then Frozen, Frozen. two, and then he was in Little Monsters too. And he was funny and, in Little Monsters. Yeah, and I know you mentioned that he's like over the top and stuff. And there, there are moments in there that I, I, I agree to you to an extent, but yeah. I think that's really for me. I think that's what you're kind of holding on to is like I don't think you really care for Josh Gat. Because I love Olaf, and I think I love Olaf because of just being played by Josh Gad. I love the humor. I, I think that's my kind of humor. It's Josh funny. Gad is like salt. You know, you add a little bit of salt <laughs> to something, and it but gives it a good salt. flavor. But yeah. too much, you get gout, and it's miserable. I see. So, well, I'm willing to eat through it, no matter how much salt is on it. So, I just personally like Olaf. I think he's a good, a good mix for a Disney movie to be in there. You know, there's they try and you know, in Frozen specifically, they have the sisterly bond and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, and there's those more heartfelt, more serious moments, and it's like 
here's Olaf. Let's break it up. Let's have here's this Olaf character. Here's Olaf to ruin the emotional <laughs> moment that was just built. <laughs> well, now you had emotional. Now you got funny. So, All right. Hey. Tell everyone what the movie was about. And Not then we, we can talk about Olaf in a minute. <sighs> talk about the movie. Well, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Oh, my God. That, that opening <laughs> was hilarious. Basically, that's how this movie opened. Like if you Earth, guys wind, fire, air. air. Yeah, so it, it brings in, like, all four elements. And it, it seriously is like Avatar The Last Airbender, which I looked at you and I was like, are we watching what I think we're watching? <laughs> I think I leaned over and I was like, everything changed oh, yeah, when the did. Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> but, that's, but that's exactly what I was thinking at the same time. So uh, it's six years after the event of Frozen, and you got Elsa uh, basically hearing this mysterious voice. It kind of has a throwback to the parents, and they talk about um, their grandparents, and I don't know what the people exactly were called, but kind of like people that can control the elements, and they kind of had this mutual meaning, and they built this bridge, and it was supposed to be this grand old thing. And there's like an enchanted forest, basically. There is an enchanted forest, and these people, like I said, can control these elements. And something goes away, and no one knows what happened in history, but the Enchanted Forest gets cut off, at which point then Elsa hears this voice and reawakens these, you know, spirits of the mm-hmm. forest. And pretty much it has this encounter of going through her discovery of, like, where she fits in, along with the whole sisterly love thing again. Kristoff um, is trying to propose to uh, Anna, and it's... Olaf is Olaf. He's I think there. It, Olaf's He's there, there. <laughs> and I'm gonna just go here too. It's Olaf's still a kid in this movie, and they specifically make that very clear. Even has a whole song about it. When I'm older, and I think that's another appeal for Olaf. Just throwing that out there real okay. quick. We, we can on. talk about that in, in a second. But uh, where was I in my little? I think people get the gist. Okay, Enchanted you, you Forest. Are, so you like the movie? I like the movie. You like? It wasn't movie. great. I don't think it was better than Frozen One. I agree. Both story and the songs, but I enjoyed it. Okay. I found this movie to be very miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Most of it was unpleasant to me. Uh, The one thing I did like, there was this little lizard that was like always on fire. And I was like, I feel that, man. I too feel (laughs) like I'm constantly on fire. (laughs) And you just need a girl to like put the flame out? You know, anything. (laughs) I need anything to put that flame out. But um, I could very much relate to that little lizard. <laughs> it was very cute and very on fire. Um, no, I th- I'll relate to Gale then. Crazy all over the place, blowing in the wind. Oh, is that that Gale was the name of the wind? I believe so. Was there like an animal or a thing? It was just it was just wind. It was just wind. It was Gale. It was spirit. I'm not even going to get into why yeah, that doesn't make sense, but <laughs> I think you're reading into a Disney movie, man. Right. right, exactly. Well, that's the problem, is right, is there's not really anything to read into there. And I think uh, when you go to see a sequel to a movie, a lot of times you're just going to spend more time with the characters, which ultimately that's what this is, right? You go spend more time with Anna and Elsa and Olaf and like these characters that most people enjoyed the first time around right and that's all well and good but i don't think the movies that do that are generally good movies themselves right i think that if you're gonna make a sequel to something you really need to have a story that is is telling you something like that lives up to the first movie and that is uniquely fit for that group of characters right and i think if you look at it like toy story they're telling these stories about growing up sort of and like 
the toys are sort of surrogate parents for the kids and with each movie it's sort of a different stage of your kid growing up and so, so what's wrong with frozen 2 in the terms of like i i agree I, that it's not as good as i just frozen don't one. think it has like, where's the story i mean i think there's still a story i just with, don't think it has a real reason to exist right so they other they, than to make a bunch of money they had to discover the to, fifth they had to discover the fifth element of ice which is also <laughs> just fucking water so stupid that was kind of weird like okay also is the fifth there's element, a fifth element. Of, of ice is it ice well ice is water lady so <laughs> that was funny but no i think i think like when you look at it it was just like the reason this movie got made is because the first frozen made like 1.4 billion dollars yeah. worldwide back in was... 2013 and this had the highest opening grossing weekend, too, for animated movies Yeah, as well. exactly. And yeah, it's it just big. so beloved that Disney's like, well, <laughs> let's cash in here. But if you look at it, like, the first movie had this plot line of essentially sort of like what we talked about with um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. and not- Way to tie it all together here. Yeah, but, like, Elsa is afraid of herself, right? And she's got to come, yeah, her powers. come to terms with herself. And it... it all sort of boils down into like this simplistic love over fear kind of narrative but it's all tied in together right anna goes off to rescue her and in running into Kristoff, like their stories intertwine and olaf intertwines with it it's all sort of one connective story whereas this movie i think that they they give elsa's character a reason to have her story continue she's trying to figure yeah. out where her powers but came I'll, from. I'll agree with you just weighing in real quick sure. is that they all have in this frozen 2 they do they kind of have their own little story arcs and mm-hmm. how they basically cope and go on with their lives being older now sure um, anna has anna has it and uh Kristoff has it and yeah olaf so it isn't just focusing on that sisterly bond necessarily right but everyone and I think that's part of the problem thing. though okay because i think like i said they're they give a very explicit reason for this movie to exist for Elsa and for Anna she's still trying to protect her sister it's sort of a continuation of the first movie I think her characterization gets yeah. a little muddied in this one whereas the first one she's sort of brash and fearless and will do anything to protect her sister whereas in this movie she's portrayed as a lot more insecure in moments where it just doesn't feel like the way her character should be you know like based on watching a whole other movie that established who this person was, I think her character just didn't capture yeah. that. It I, felt like a I different character. I think that's character. a huge appeal, though, from the first one still into the second one, is you're right. These two sisters, princesses, one now being two the queen. Two sisters. Um, but it was that empowerment, especially for like women and stuff, for like little girls to see this. Sure. Because there's, there's been other Disney movies. One that comes to mind is Brave, specifically. Like she's Brave? a princess, but... You know, she she can portray- handle herself. Yeah, she portrays handling herself, which is disappointing to have Anna not encapsulate that quite as much this time around. I agree. Yes, I'll say with Kristoff, his plot was he had no reason to be there other than he wanted to propose to his girlfriend, and then he just disappears for forty five minutes. Yeah, like they- he's trying to propose for. 20 30 minutes disappears for 45 minutes shows back up in like the last 15 minutes and you're just like did they just have literally nothing for him to do they had that whole scene man where he sings like the whole very bad scene (laughs) 
the best song in the movie probably but wow that scene. that's gonna bring in a lot of critics to this one um and then olaf's whole thing i was like i don't give a shit if olaf thinks that he's gonna be smarter when he's older he's a fucking snowman he's probably never gonna be smart like no one cares and it was just sort of again trying to give him something to do in this movie and and that's what it just sort of felt like is like okay people like all these characters let's just give them all something to do for an hour and a half and we'll make a billion dollars worldwide that's what this movie felt like to me and that was my problem with it i'm just coping with that you hated olaf so much in that moment that you just said that i liked olaf i liked the whole movie not great but i liked the whole movie yeah and I, i still felt like those same moments in the first one as i did the second one the whole sisterly vibe thing. I, the real emotional scene in that whole movie, too, was the uh, Olaf, uh, what does he say? Water has memories. And it kind of, just that scene. I mean, it is kind of funny that all the scenes have like, oh, here's the parent's death, and they kind of relive the parent's death. Yeah, it was kind of dark in, at yeah, moments, Yeah, that was too. like the dark moment of the movie yeah. and stuff. But, I mean, there there's still those elements that exist in this movie um, that there's there's kids and parents alike can still enjoy. Right. And I, I, you know, we've already had this discussion with Disney Plus. I get it. But we're never going to agree on this still. Well, Well, I mean, we're not never not going to agree. We will if Disney makes a good movie. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I still, but I like the movie. So rating wise, what did you give it? I gave it, what did I give it? I gave it a two, two Two? out of five, I think. Okay. I mean, it was fine. On my letterbox, I gave it a three. Like I said, it's very hard for me to give a Disney movie less than a three. Um, just because they're enjoyable. That sounds like a you issue. Hey, they're enjoyable. Yeah. It can always be a me issue. That's fine. I'm going to be part of that $1.4 billion that I pay for Disney. So, um, but yeah, I, I just enjoyed the film. I liked Frozen. I liked the first one. I think, I mean, it was refreshing. It was new. Um, and to your extent, it was another money-grabbing kind of movie. I, I know, like, um, they waited for hours to take print, uh, pictures with the princesses like actually at Disneyland and stuff. You're right. Mm-hmm. There's a huge appeal because everyone yeah, sure. can relate or Every enjoys one in character in the movie. Every drag their parents to see yeah, Frozen Whether too. it's one of the yeah. princesses, whether it's Olaf, you know, people probably still relate to Kristoff and it's just, you know. Maybe. There's something for everybody <laughs> is all I'm saying. And it, just like Disney does, they're going to appeal to that. And they did. And but song-wise and story-wise, yeah, compared to Frozen 1. It's not like, as good as Frozen I wasn't 1, Frozen 1 was just But you said it got better on Letterboxd. It was better reviewed, you, you know, said? That was what it said when I first logged the movie, but that was, like, preview screening, so I'm okay. sure a lot more people have seen no, it. No, I'm interested. I, I will just— I'll You know, talking to one of the, uh, the people at my work, she said that her granddaughter went to go see it with her family, and they liked it better than the first one. Really? And I've heard that from— some people generally that that they liked it a little better i why did they like it better i don't know did they say anything they i think they they said it was like more magical and yeah we mentioned this when we talked about dr sleep which i mean i know it's a total like (laughs) opposite sides of the spectrum here (laughs) but this is another sequel that's like going into or diving deeper into like the fantastical elements of the ooze, the oz kind of ends of things and it's kind of crazy to think that this movie could become more magical fantastical i don't say either of those words in a good way uh than the first one when the first one is literally about a lady who can make ice at will yeah. and uh but i i kind of agree to that 
with you because you're right. Like in the first one, it was more story driven that I enjoyed. It was more grounded in yeah, terms of what was going on. I, I, there was still magical powers and stuff and she was good, not bad and all right. that. But it's like, that was kind of, it wasn't the main um, attraction, the main story to get out of mm-hmm. that. Like the, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. But this one, it was just like, there's earth giants and there's fire lizards and there's water memories. and You can make a whole series out of that. Like, in fact- it's been done. It has, and it's a good series. <laughs> it's much better than Frozen 2. Don't diss my Frozen 2. All right. Well, I mean, is there anything else you really want to talk about when it comes to Frozen 2? I mean, we talked for a long time about A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, but I think that with Frozen 2, it's it's a much shallower movie, oh, yeah. I would say. You know, it's not trying to get across a message as much as... Uh, if you have the time, go see it. If you don't... That's cool. It'll man. be on Disney. It'll Plus be on Disney Plus eventually, and, and I'm yeah, sure everything on there will be. I will highly recommend a beautiful point. day in the neighborhood over Frozen Two. Yeah, I said it going in when we drove. I was like, out of all three movies we see this weekend, I'm like, even for me, I think Frozen Two is gonna be my worst star rating. And you, it was. You heard it here first, guys. Cody goes into movies with unconscious bias. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a conscious bias. So I guess I do have problems and I need to fix them. I have so many I think, insecurities. I think so. But maybe you should talk to Mister Rogers. Actually, he's dead. But you should talk to Somebody. Daniel Tiger on Somebody. PBS. I don't know. Yeah, there is another spinoff of that, huh? Anyway, we don't need to get into that. That's fair. We're off Let's go into closing, and I'll deal with my insecurities after this. That, that sounds good. Cody, well, thanks for chit-chatting again on another uh, wonderful episode in the neighborhood. Your thankfulness is about to come true. I'm about to be out of here. I know, right? Isn't it wonderful? Uh, Our days are about to be made. Uh, (laughs) I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, so like we said earlier, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We are really grateful for all of our listeners. Uh, Hit us up on social media. We're at Spinning the Real just about everywhere. And uh, keep an eye out for those uh, movie star drafts. Yeah, we'll lists. put like we'll put them up on our social. We need media. your help with the vote. Uh, as far as going forward, next week we're going to talk about Knives Out. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. And I also want to throw out there that The Irishman is now on Netflix, and we're probably going to do a whole Netflix episode in a couple weeks. Which brings us into another thing: we should go see Honey Boy this weekend because that also released. Yes, we can so, talk about maybe that one in Knives Out. We're going to work on that for sure. Look at us talking through our next episode on our current episode. Trying to let everyone know what they need to watch. So the only reason I bring up The Irishman now is it's three and a half hours, and you might need two weeks to get through it before. (laughs) It's it's a good movie. You should watch it. It's on Netflix now. Um, But with that, thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you.